This episode of Making Action Happen is sponsored by Action 22's amazing energy leaders. Excel Energy, Colorado Rural Electric Association, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Gil Romero and the Capital Success Group, Black Hills Energy, Nextera Energy, San Isabel Electric Association, Outshine Energy, Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan, membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org. Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, welcome back to Action 22. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain. So we decided to do a little bit something different today. We've been hearing a very similar question. When I say we... Brian and myself and Micah have all been hearing the same question over and over again from different people. And it's simply asking what exactly Action 22 does. So really this episode is for you, Matthew Shaden, um, because what we do, we're in it so much. I think we kind of take for granted that people don't know everything that we do or how we do it or how we come like. Or what it is. What it is or anything that we do. And to say truth, I was thinking about it on the way in. Um, The first show that we did, that I did, was like end of September, beginning of October of 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had done a few podcasts on my own and then we were on with Voice America. And so then the very first episode was I was trying to tell everybody what we do and it, don't listen to it. It's horrible. It's awkward. I sound ridiculous. I hated it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was top of the list for such a long time. For like a year, people were still listening to it. And I was just, uh But yep. I think we've changed a great deal <laughs> since then. In the last, bit. Yeah, in the last bit. So you started in January of 21. Last year. Yeah, yeah. 21. Yeah. I don't, time just is like one big blob since 2020 yeah no it's so weird it's so weird so uh, i guess go back in time will you uh i've told everybody this i feel like a thousand times but you were involved with action 22 peripherally way before and so you were the one that encouraged me to apply for the job to begin with yeah um both action 22 and club 20 um over the years, I have worked with them on numerous things, but what it really, really boiled down to, um, the, I mean, there's a lot of important stuff with action 22 and what we do and, and club 20, but the, the biggest thing that I dealt with were debates 
because oh. Club 20 had their debates and Action 22 always had debates. And I was always working for somebody that was up for election, not on the campaign, but, um, you know, from, we, we would go support our boss and, you know, sure. go to the debates. So that was actually my first real dive into Action 22 and Club 20. And we're talking over a decade ago. Yeah. So, I mean, this even goes back as far as like 2006, 2007. Oh, wow. So I, I knew the organizations through these big debates they had. Like they had the one with the chieftain here. Club 20 always has their their debates over there. And then as I started working in my line of work, it was like, oh, these organizations are one of our biggest resources when it comes to any policy issue, um, letters of support. You know, uh, most people don't think that letters of support matter when you, you're supporting like legislation a bill, a grant, anything like that. But, you know, Action 22, Club 20, that was our go-to. That's like, okay, we're supporting this policy from a D.C. level. How does Action 22 feel about it? And can we get a letter of support for them? And then that turned into is like, oh, what do you guys really do? And that's when I started going to the meetings. Um, This was before our time, obviously, with the organization. But um, then I noticed that, you know, I, I had to learn about bark beetle kill. Let's just use that as an example. (laughs) Where would one go to learn about bark beetle kill? Yeah. And wow, Action 22 is holding a conference on bark beetle kill. So then I started to get get the appreciation about all the issues you touched on, which were important to my job at the time. And, And I mean, that fast forward to today, now I'm working for the organization just because I had those interactions. But what do we do? Yeah, like that. That actually explains not a single not thing a single that thing. we do, but that, that's just how I got in into um, knowing this organization and others like it. So, so that was way back when, um, in you and I first met in about 2010, um, when I was running the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Colorado City, and something came up, and somebody told me to call your office, and I got your name. I don't think I actually met you in person for for a while for a long time yeah, after that. Yeah, and, and and it's funny because like when you work in the um, as a congressional staffer, it's just as hard to answer the question, "What do you do?" Like, yeah, you know, which is really funny that I went from a job that somebody says, "Oh, what do you do?" and I cannot explain it to a, to job, a job that, that I'm working now, do? and it's I like, can't. "What do you do?" and it's like, "I can't." You can't do like the elevator pitch for <laughs> no, it. No, no, and that's the whole thing, right? You. Um, people are like, okay, give me the, your elevator pitch. And now we're like, Ugh. yeah, we, we do this. <laughs> Better be a long elevator ride. <laughs> we just made the same dad noise. Yeah. Um, and then in 17, so I always, I always um, had Congressman uh, Tipton at things. And, and then you and I finally yeah. at some point met. I don't, I can't, I feel really bad. I honestly can't remember when that was. Yeah, I don't remember. And Sometime, I don't, and I don't remember. Ago. If you just called me or what happened that you said you should apply for the Action 22 job? Um, I think that was when you were working for, was it hospice? Might have, or yeah. the girls and boys? Because no, you, it was hospice you, then. Because you had the big event at the state fairgrounds. Yep. I remember that. And then, oh, yeah, um, that's right. You went it, to that, huh? Yep. And then uh, Kathy Garcia was uh, running Action 22 at the time, and she was looking to get out of it retire, whatever, 
even though she still works harder than most people. Yeah, right now. she still she's does. On her, um, second leg, and she's still such an there. advocate for Action yeah, Twenty Two yeah, to this day. And I, I remember they they the board hired somebody else for a minute, and then um, that didn't work out. And they approached me. So some of the former board members and people involved asked if I wanted to do it. But at that time, um, just financially, it wasn't doable. Like I, I was, I'm very loyal to who I work for. And I yeah. was like, no, I'm, I'm sticking with my boss and you know, it's good. And, um, and I knew, I think you were looking yeah, at the I time. Was. And that's when I recommended you to come in and look at it. And since then, since you first got on, I mean, I, I believe the board is completely different, correct? It's just about completely different. Yeah. So we're a 501c6, which means um, we're the same as a, a chamber of commerce or a country club. It's a business association, the yes. NFL. Um, believe it or leave it, we're all the same um, flavor of nonprofit. Um, and I had always been doing nonprofit administration. And so... Um, this wasn't a huge leap as far as that goes. There is still one board member and I keep, I all the time will run across somebody else who was like, Oh, I was a board member for action 22 or I was a member back. Um, I'll have to tell you about something I ran into the other day that I actually offered him, um, a seat back on the board. But, um, anyway, we were, uh, Chuck, um, Staggerwalt has been on. He's been on since, since the very beginning, since the beginning. And I know, uh, Rick has been involved. I don't know if he's been on the board, but as far back as I can remember, he's been every action 22 event I've been to and and been heavily involved. And Rick Klein is our board chair now, and he's been our vice chair for several years, but now he's our board chair. Um, and then the, the ones that have remained since I, since I started, well, um, of course, are Chad Vorthman, um, uh, Rick Klein. Who else? Charles Bogle. He's Charles been Bogle forever. has been around yeah. forever too. Um, and then there's been there. I guess there's been a bunch that we've brought on yeah. since then, but it's been um, the same seat. So, so this is an interesting thing about Action Twenty Two, and I remember. Um, being at uh, one of these nonprofit administrative conferences, and there was a lady that was talking about how she actually oversaw um, three or four boards for the entire um, for her organization. They had, for some reason, they had several boards, and uh, she so all told, I think she said she had thirty board members, and I thought that was insane, and I kind of tongue in cheek made fun of her. That's like saying I will when you're in high school. I will never work at Wendy's or McDonald's, and then the first job you get is at Wendy's, right? It's or I'm never going to have kids, and yeah. you know whatever. So, um, Action Twenty Two represents twenty two rural counties. We have the makeup of the board is um, three seats on the board per county. So that's 66 66. plus seven from out of area because we have so much great support for businesses that do business down here. Yes. Like AT&T and Colorado Farm Bureau and, um, and so forth. And so, um, we don't, we're not fully seated. I don't know if we'll ever be fully seated. It's really difficult to manage, but when I first came on, there was a lot to sort of, clean up shore up i don't yeah just it's a change of direction you know um and it's not 
disparaging anything in the past. It's just, you know, things change with new leadership coming in there. There has to be some mitigation of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important, you know, it, it would be impossible right now to completely fill our board just because there's just so many seats. But the reason for that many seats on our board is because the issues that we deal with, that mm-hmm. we support, that we advocate for impact all of these 22 counties in a different way, but also in a concise way at the same time. Yeah. Like one issue may not impact, say, Pueblo County as much as Sawatch. Right. But if you have both people in the room talking about it, then you can get both perspectives and how you can work together to accomplish the mission or, you know, even oppose what's happening or support what's happening. So it's important that we have that representation on our board from every County in our area. So when I first started, I'll tell you that Kathy had done such a tremendous job of over the years. So action 22 started in 1999 and I think she left in what? 14. It's probably around 14. So around she, that time, yeah, point. around that time. So, and I came on in, uh, in 17. Yeah. So there was that, I mean, that leadership figure yeah. that had, that was, had never really, there was nobody else that really stepped into that role. Yeah. Um, although I have to say when I first came on, you know, this is, this is her baby and she gave tons of help um, to how that direction should go and what we should do. One of the things that um, I did straight away was really decide what we should be saying no to getting yeah. in the middle of. I think that, and I, I would come to you all the time um, yeah. in those first couple of years because there was a whole, this was a whole other animal I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Um, not to say that it was overwhelming or it was something that couldn't um, be, um, overcome and and pulled together, but really it was, okay, what's the mission of the organization? And okay, how do we fulfill the mission of the organization? And is it still relevant? Yes. And we still haven't said what Action 22 actually does. Uh, No, we don't. Yeah, we haven't. See, there we go. But (laughs) but going, going back to that, you know, if somebody wants the real elevator pitch, I'm like, look, we're a regional chamber of commerce. Look at us that way. And we work on these five issues, which are um, local government affairs, uh, rural economic development, healthcare education, and natural resources. So, if it doesn't fall into those five things, we don't we don't yeah. touch it. Yeah. So, it's what we call wedge issues. So, um, a wedge issue is an issue that's just really partisan. It causes it's, bigger divide. It's just there to generate. Um, noise between the sides, you know, that's, so think about when you're splitting wood and you have that wedge that you stick in there and then you hit it and it splits the wood apart. That's a wedge issue. Yeah. I mean, one example of that, and we don't even get into it with action 22, um, would be like gun control. Yeah. That's a wedge issue. And, um, other things such as that, that you, abortion, the, the, the media just like freaks out about and everybody gets up and I'm not saying these issues are not important and they are important to me. But as far as the organization, we are trying to do what's right to our region of 22 counties in those five areas. Right. And what that entails now, this is the the next interesting part about Action 22. Um, You know, we'll get emails or we'll talk to people and it's like, well, where do you stand on this bill? And I'll be like, I'm not even watching it. And one thing that I think we do really well is we identify a handful of bills 
that we really work hard on to either advocate for, oppose, whatever, whatever our membership and our, our board wants. But there's hundreds of bills that we don't bother with. Yes. And, and some people that might upset, upset them a little bit, but for us to be the most effective when it comes to the state legislature and, and rules and laws that are being made is like, we really have to laser focus on and pick our fights. In other words, pick our fights. Yeah. Um, the, that, uh, political collateral, that political capital that, um, you'll hear somebody talk about, that's a real thing. So, you know, I looked at what, why action 22, um, really struggled. I, you know, when you have when you have a leader move on, mm-hmm. um, it really says a lot about the organization how they do after that leader moves on. So if they're completely reliant on a leader, then they're not going to be healthy afterwards. But if they've really moved on, you know, if it's a big leadership and there's a whole a great structure in it, and so in the interim between Kathy and I, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of things that slipped. Right. Yeah, and part of that too is um, all of our board members. It's volunteer. Oh, there's, yeah. There's no, no exactly. like nobody's doing this for the money at all. No. You know, this is a to- that's why it's so amazing that we have so many board members that have that are with us that have stuck with us and people that are involved because there is no financial incentive to be on our board. No, there's not. In fact, um, it's you've got to you've got to have a real service leadership mentality. Mm-hmm to even be on our board for us to even consider, um, somebody on our board. Um, but I, when I came on and I looked at it and I sat down with Kathy and we, we really talked out the things that she would like to see happen moving forward with the organization. I talked to a few other people. Um, and it was the second part that I thought was going to be really important was to put up these guardrails that said, you know, what's the, what, how do we make our decisions? What do we decide to do on? So we have those five categories, but you're going to have some contention within those five mm-hmm. categories. So the second thing was it had to be, um, it had to be mission focused, but it had to drive unity and purpose. There has, mm-hmm. it has to have, if we have a split decision, we try to go for consensus. If we have a split decision on it, we don't do a majority rules on it. If it's, if it's a, a big enough deal that our membership isn't, um, you know, there's not a consensus, then we don't move forward in trying yeah. to pursue it or to add anything more to the conversation on it. You know, there's a, there's been several really great leaders over, over time that will say it's as important what you say no to is what you say yes to. Yeah. Um, and so we moved forward back at that time, really with the idea of being nonpartisan and being and meaning it, yeah. Um, only focusing on those five areas, um, and really sort of playing up with what's gonna, what's the most effective way to drive unity, to drive consensus, to to do stuff that actually means something to our communities. And I I think back then that was a harder goal to accomplish compared to now. Yeah. And you know, it's everything from COVID to just the, the urban divide between, you know, the big cities and the rural counties and rural towns. Um, But COVID really kind of solidified that quite a bit. And, and right now, you know, I, I think that our membership and our board are like pretty much on the same page with 90% of what we're talking about and dealing yeah. with. 
Yeah. Well, and if they're not, then we're not going to pursue it. I guess that's yeah. the other part of it. And, and they come from all sides of the political yes, spectrum. They do. It's not. And a lot of people do that, um, say this, and it kind of upsets me whenever I hear it, it's like, oh, rural, you're that like Republican organization or yeah. even on the other side, I've heard like, well, you guys are that liberal Democrat organization. Like we're neither. And if no. we're getting complaints from both sides, then we're probably doing something right. <laughs> no, it's true. And you know, I, I have to say, um, I've, I've been in the nonprofit administration game for a, for a long time from all my career, actually. Um, and the board is, it will make or break, you know, it's a yeah. board that makes or breaks the success of an organization, but I'll have to tell you a couple of years ago. And if anybody knows Chuck Staggerwalt, they know that he is a strong Republican. He is conservative. He loves Trump. He's all of those things, but he'll walk into a meeting and he does it without fail at almost every meeting. He says, this is a nonpartisan organization. We don't get into that. And he never violates it. And he sets the tone for that in this organization. Whenever we have meetings, he's the one that sets the tone and he'll show up. I've, there's been times where I saw him like with a literally with a Trump button on, take it off when he walked into the room. It's kind of like, uh, don't check your guns at the door. It's check your political hat at the door. <laughs> yeah, no, that's in. exactly, that's exactly right. Um, so, you know, you and I've worked so hard in the last year and a half. I mean, really, we've worked really, really, really hard um, just to try to keep keep the train on the track, but not, yeah. on, but build more track too. Yeah. So something, think of something in the last year, cause we never stop. We're both always working hard. Um, and we've got Micah on the team now as well, but we're yeah. always working hard to just like, what's the next thing? What, you know, I go back, what matters most and what does our community need from us? And it's always like, we never rest on our laurels. So what in the last year has been something or in 21 was something that you're like really proud of that we did some, we did something that meant. I think uh, you could look back and go through like the, the meetings we've held, the you know, the annual meeting, the action talks, this housing summit, um, anything like that. That's, that's on paper, right? You look at that and that's like, okay, we checked that box, people showed up, good stuff was accomplished, go to the next one. But that's kind of what these organizations do, right? Yeah. That's the point. That, yeah, that's, that's exactly That's right. normal. If you're not doing that, then you're not a successful organization. You're not relevant. Shut I, it down. Yeah. I think the looking back over the past year, year and a half, whatever it's been, almost a year and a half, um, the most surprising thing is how – with COVID and everything, like it just kind of, nobody knew who action 22 was. So just over the past year, our voice has grown so much in that now, you know, we're, we're doing, I'll go to the summit, the housing summit, Yeah, you know, we're hearing people talk about it. We're like, Oh, we're going to have a housing summit. And they're like, Oh yeah, we heard about that. Um, and we're confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but just getting our voice out there, our voice louder, um, it's kind of cliche to say, but, you know, you could break one stick, but if you break a bundle of sticks, right. or it, it's hard. You can't break a bundle of sticks or however that goes. Um, and that's when I, I came in. I really wanted to, like, strengthen our numbers, strengthen our voice. And I think looking back, we have exponentially strengthened the voice of Action 22. Um We've also maybe upset some people yeah. over the past year, which is fine. We're okay with um, that. But we've also helped out so many people. Um you know, another like example of that is 
Mount Carmel, that, yeah. that's, that's a big one, right? The first person they reached out to coming to Pueblo was Action 22. And, you know, they're in Trinidad they, and um, they're moving further south in the rural areas, but... They're in the, Springs now, right? Yeah, yeah they kind of started in Springs. Springs and Trinidad yeah. is kind of where they started. But, you know, uh, Colonel McLaughlin, like his first email was like, okay, I'm going to rural Colorado. I need to meet with Action 22. And that that was the first, we were the first people that he reached out to. Yeah, And, uh, it, you know, it was an intimidating meeting. To I guess it would be to some people. I wasn't intimidated by it, but... Uh, his thing was like, I need to put a face to it. I need to sit down with these people. So I'm going to have Brian up here and I'm going to talk to him for two hours. And I talked to him for two hours and he asked every which question about me, my history, my family, you know, what we do, what action 22 is, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, you know what? Your organization is phenomenal and we need you to succeed in Southern Colorado. Yeah. And then immediately made us a, they call them trusted partners or partners with Mount Carmel. And then since then, now I'm the ambassador for the the Pueblo area for Mount Carmel. Um, just that. And that just shows how big our voice is that we're, we're in people's minds without actively trying to get in people's minds. That makes so sense. tell everybody if they didn't listen to the show in Mount, uh, about Mount Carmel, tell them really quick what, what that is. <clears throat> Excuse what me. They I do. have allergies today. Yeah. Um, Mount Carmel is a nonprofit based out of Colorado Springs. They have um, another one down in Trinidad. It's run by Mr. J. Chimino, who will just tell you, he's like, I'm just a car dealer. You know, yeah. Um, he is a veteran, so he basically wanted to create this group that will offer services to veterans and their families and active duty. Um, so it's anything military veteran and their families, they take care of, they have a phenomenal clinic up in Springs in which they help you get your benefits, help you find housing. Hey, you're running into a tough spot. They help you with say, you know, financial issues. Um, mental health is big family counseling. And, and the medical side of it as well, because as anybody knows that the VA can be hard to deal with at times and Mount Carmel is actually a partner with the VA. VA looks at them as a peer when it comes to treatment to veterans. Right. So they're moving to Southern Colorado. They open a spot here in Pueblo. They have one in Trinidad. They're looking at a few other areas. Um, I, I don't want to let any cats out of the bag, but there's two counties that I, I think that they're going to be in soon sooner yeah. than later. And, um, they, they just do great work and it, it's not for profit. They just truly care. And, and speaking to Bob McLaughlin, like you can see it, that he actually wants to help these people. Um, he does not, nothing selfish about it. He is there to help. Well, he asked the same question. What matters most to these veterans that we're serving and what do they need from us? And I think that was the thing, you know, it was such a shock with, <laughs> Tipton ended up not winning the primary mm-hmm. that night. And I, I was really thinking about um, all the great work that you've done for veterans. And, and just anybody. It's not just veterans. It's, right. No, no, no. That's true. I mean, it was every, you guys had, how many, when you were wrapping up, how many cases had, did, had you had? I, I've i said it on the show at one point, but it was, you know, thousands and thousands of, of cases, um, both well, all of our staff took care of in the, the district and even in D.C., but, you know, we're, we're talking like 
tens of thousands of people that we have helped over the years, over 10 years. Yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm repeating this. Sorry if you've heard me say this a couple times. It's worth repeating. But regardless of who gets in, what side of the aisle, whatever, if they have the best intentions or the worst intentions, there is a gap in service to the constituents because the office closes, you have to set the office up. Um, new people come in, they don't know what they're doing. They have to go through training, um, which was great that, uh, Antonio Huerta, from uh, Senator Hickenlooper's yeah. office, you know, the, the first person when he got on, he sought us out and said, yeah, hey, first people help me. Like, down with. You know, I need help. Uh, let me know if I'm doing a good job and tell me what I need to do different. And, and look what a beautiful job yeah, he's, he's done. He's doing a he great came job. in, he was coachable. There wasn't ego there. There was there wasn't anything but a desire to learn and to serve. Um, and he was the, you were the first person that, you know, that he, and again, just reaching out to action 22. It's yeah. Not just even me. It's right. Just reaching, yeah. reaching out. But it was really important to me. I just remember thinking about, um, my first, my very first thought was, oh my goodness, all the things that are, is done, are done for veterans. That's, yeah. there's going to be such a gap in that. And so that was, re- that was one of the more important things for me when bringing you on was that I knew that you'd be able to take pick that up and and carry that and do some amazing things and I've just I don't know what to do on that so I've just yeah. you know gotten oh, out of your way just said go do it and, no, got, and, and the the results have been tremendous yeah so, no it's it's a lot of good opportunity to continue helping um, veterans out here in the state not even just in our area but the United Veterans Council of Colorado that's another one I'm the regional vice president for them. And, uh, it, it's really funny because they used to have their meetings in person up in Denver. Yeah. And I would be like, I'm not driving to Denver for an hour <laughs> meeting to sit there and not say anything and, and drive back. Oh yeah. And there's like, you know, at one point there's like 120 people that would attend these meetings. Mostly from and, Denver, right? Yeah. And, um, and they are expanding again to the rural areas. They're okay. getting out of Denver. They want their representation out there. And, uh, you know, two things I said when I, I left Congressman Tipton's office and came on Action 20, or actually before that, I was like, well, at least I don't have to drive down to Alamosa every week, and <laughs> I don't have to go to the UVC meetings for an hour and sit in traffic. And now How's I am, that worked out for you? I'm in a UVC meeting, you know, twice a month, oh, and I love it. Like, yeah. we're doing some good work, and it, it has changed through leadership. Same thing. Yeah. Leadership changed, and they have a new perspective, and they kind of reorganize, and we're doing really good stuff. And then I'm in Alamosa all the time, which I don't mind. I'm not ragging on Alamosa. I just, I've driven that for over a decade weekly. Right. But I will say... I am so happy that I don't have to drive to Grand Junction or Durango at least once or twice a <laughs> month because you should be careful about what you yeah, say there, Brian. Knock on wood, right now. Yeah, those, that that I don't mind Durango. Like driving to Durango's, they're both really pretty, but until you get to the winter, then it just sucks. But I have driven to Grand Junction every which way you can. I do like the Highway 50. If anybody's out there, route. Highway 50 is probably the most enjoyable route. But a lot it's of times fastest. it was I-70, so going up to Denver and then and going over. over. It's faster. The problem with that, I-70, like they have a closure rate of like one out of every three days they're closed or delayed. So I stopped driving that route. But in the beginning, you know, that's like the way you'd go. I would stay yeah. the night in Denver and then drive over. And then 12 hours later, sometimes I was in Grand Junction. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, we don't we don't do that now. Um, we've 
It's really listening. I think it's really listening to our membership. So this is the housing summit, right? Yeah. So we, you know, we had some members, we had some people join hoping that we would, you know, be able to start to carry the conversation. I can't think of a, yeah. another word. I don't know if carry the conversation is the right word, but there were, there were just a few things that we weren't feeling right about on this conversation. And then I have done events all my career and I was sick of doing events for the sake of doing events. Like I'm sick of doing meetings for the sake of doing meetings. Yeah. I look at those as you, it's just a bunch of people that are, have a common interest, sit around a table and talk. And, and yeah, and nothing comes out of it. It's just and a that, lot of, and it is needed. Like I'm not saying I'm not bagging on all meetings, right, but I've right, been to right. so many where it's just the same issue and the, Maybe different people, maybe the same people just talking, talking about the same, same issue. thing. Pontification and, and perpetuity. Yeah. So it was really, really important to me. I, um, you know, if we're going to call ourselves action, let's be action. Yeah. That was the whole thing for me. I wasn't happy with, with the pontification. Um, getting from the uh, the place where you're just talking about it to actual takeaways that it drives some kind of a change or improvement or something like that right. is way harder than one might think. Yeah. And I look at it like we should have this summit or a meeting or a convening, whatever you want to call it. And I want everybody to have homework with a goal, specific goal and accountability coming out of it. Yes. So for instance, this housing summit, like we wanted to do this yesterday, our last year. Yeah, we did. And it, it, at the time, nobody was focused on the solutions and it was funding, you know, now there's a different vehicle of, right. for funding for a lot of this stuff. Um, but it would have just been talking. It's like, here's all of our problems. How do yeah. we solve them? I don't know. And we're sick of it. We already know what yeah. the problems are. Yeah. So this one is going to be different in that everybody's going to have homework coming out of this and we are circling back with you. Yes. So this is and we're still sort of creating it. So everybody's like, what's the agenda? What's the agenda? We don't know yet. yet. It's just this idea of, um, and Micah loves to play with words. Micah loves, it's a game to him. He'll take a word, he'll get to the Latin root of it, then he'll do this or that. But there's always some action behind it, which yeah. I love. Um, and so we were talking about, I sort of, even if we're just having one of these meetings where we're sitting around a sort of a round table and having a discussion, I'm going to take something away from it. So yeah. we'd had one um, with Phil Weiser and I didn't, there was one that we had done that was really, really good. We were down the San Luis Valley and he, we talked with everybody. It was part of this rural road trip that, that we did. And then we did one here in Pueblo and I, I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't satisfied with it at all. And I'm, I analyze everything. And so yeah. I, I took it apart. I was like, okay, why didn't I like it? And what was the matter with it? Um, and bless your heart. I sub, a lot of times will do that with you. I'll unpack with you. I'm like, ah, this, and you're, you know, talking me off the ledge mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and I really said it was because we weren't talking about solutions. I was just asking what everybody's problem was. So yeah. for the housing summit, we're asking the question, what, um, what solution are you working on? And, what um, what's keeping you from getting that? What barrier do you have? What's keeping you from executing on that solution right now? You can't believe the amazing answers yeah. when you just ask the question in a different way, the solutions that are coming up. And so on the housing summit, 
we're designing it so that you have actionable items when you're when you leave the summit. So yeah. you called it homework. I'm calling it action items. Mike is calling it takeaways, um, but it's something that you can turn around and utilize right this minute. So we, um, I had a call with um, one of the partners in this, who's going to be an exhibitor, and they're actually going to be requesting bids at this. So. I was just shocked because everybody, it's just been this amazing sort of synergy that has come around yeah. that it's, the timing is right. We're asking the right questions. Everybody's ready to take action. It's how do we do that and how do we move forward together? I am so excited for this housing because it's sort of a culmination of what we've been trying to do when we say, what do we do as Action 22? Yeah. This is what it's going to look like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another really good example of that is um, this VA stuff that's going on right now. So Yes, yes. Director Kilmer, he's the uh, the director of the Eastern Colorado Healthcare System for the VA. It's basically, for some weird reason, Colorado split in two with VA um, regions. So there's one region on the Western Slope and there's a region on our side of the mountain. And um, he actually came from Grand Junction. Great guy. Uh, turned, he ran the hospital, the VA hospital mm, there. That's right. Completely turned it around. Um, they, they had some issues and it wasn't the, the fault of the previous administrator or anything like that. It just, yeah, a new way of thinking how to go into it. And you have to remember that the VA is like their facilities and them as an organization has been operating the same for almost a hundred years, right? Right. Um, like there's still VA hospitals that were built in the forties that are still being utilized. So they don't change because it is a big organization and it's a big government organization in which change is like nearly impossible to get it through. Well, it's trying to do anything like that is trying to take job of the hut for a walk. Yeah. And it's also all changes have to come from Congress and the president. Right. So about, I want to say 2018-ish, the, the Mission Act, it was called, was signed into law um, by then-President Trump. And basically what it did, it, it kind of changed things. So if you lived with, uh, with within 40 miles or outside of 40 miles from a, a VA clinic, they used to be called C-Box, but now they're clinics or a VA hospital, you had to go to the VA. Okay. Now, if you lived far enough away or there wasn't anything around, you did like community-based care. They're, and they're, they've changed the name. It was like the PPP system and then community-based care. Um, now, I think it, it's called community care um, or co-provider care. It, basically, it means that – so I, I live far enough away from a VA. Um, so I could go to a local doctor or healthcare provider – and they basically will see me as a VA patient, and then VA reimburses them right. for it. Um, the problem with that that that's way better now, but you know there were issues where it was taking years to be reimbursed. And this is under the older yeah. system where you have like you know clinics saying, "Well, we can't take veterans because the VA or the federal government owes us like five million dollars, and we just can't afford it." Yeah. So with this Mission Act, they're kind of, they kind of moved that around saying, okay, I want to go see a private provider. If they're approved by the VA, I could see them. Um, and then it also had the stipulation in it that after four years, I think it is, uh, and I could be wrong on this, so forgive me, but they look at the utilization of clinics. So it, it's needs-based, right? Right. So they, they released this. It's on the Federal Register. Just type in VA. And it'll pop up. It'll be the first thing. So they're recommending moving resources and closing some of these clinics. Um, and in our area, they're going to close Lamar, 
Um, I forget all of them. I think so, it's, a, it's Lamar. I Lamar. Was it Salida? La Junta. La Junta. Salida. Yep. And Salida. And Burlington. That's not in our area. Yeah. But um, there were three or four. There, I think area. there were four. And, and uh, it, it's turned into an issue. But anyway, Director Kilmer, he got ahead of it. He went out there and said, hey, look, this report's coming. These clinics are going to close. We need to look at solutions. So first off, I don't think any other VA director was doing that. And he no, confirmed No, I was that. just going to say, and he's... He, Really, and and it was kind of a brave thing for him to do to try to get in front of this and see where the solutions were from the communities rather than the other way around. And he's working on some solutions. Now, the the downfall of this is you have the Pueblo Clinic and the Alamosa Clinic are going to stay open, but they're going to pick up that extra traffic from the VA. So I can't go to Salida. I'm going to go to Pueblo or you know, Alamosa. Right. Um, and so on paper it looks good, but it's going to overwhelm some of these smaller clinics anyway. And that's even if people can travel that far. Right. Right. So then you go to the community care. It's like, okay, the VA is going to, um, partner with community, uh, healthcare providers and they'll see the veteran patients that are under VA healthcare. Well, first off, if you know anything about rural Colorado, which I assume 99% of our listeners do, there is a healthcare provider shortage in rural Colorado. It's devastating. You there, I mean, it's a, it's not, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. Yep. It's not just a shortage. That shortage is a crisis right now. Second off the community providers out there, they don't make money. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're like right in the middle. It's like a bad month could close a clinic down or right. keep it open if it's a good month, you know? So they hear all these rumors that the VA doesn't pay or they take years to pay or they deny stuff. And director Kilmer got in front of that. I said, yeah, you know, it, it was, we did a horrible job back then, but it's way better. It doesn't matter. The rumor's still out there. Right. So you go into a healthcare clinic that is slammed right and now. Rural communities have a, a long, rural, long memory. Yep. And they're saying, well, we don't have the capacity to take new patients, nor do we have the funding if you're not going to gonna pay that. us. So he's proposing some solutions like co-hiring providers where the yes. VA comes into a rural community that there's no clinic or that they're closing it down. They say, look, we're going to co-hire a doctor or a nurse with you. So look at it this way. Say a hospital, and these aren't the real numbers, but for math's sake, we'll make it easy because I was an art student, not a math student. <laughs> um, so say a clinic wants to hire a new doctor for 100000 a year, but they can't afford it, right? And then also you get into the housing issue right, and all that right, stuff. Right, but right. That's completely separate. But um, they're like, well, we can't afford a new doctor. And that's also if you can find one too, if right? If you can find one, So yeah. how, are they, how is a small clinic going to you know, go out a, there? But there's a really great doctor, and he wants to come back, and he wants to raise his family in rural Colorado. Yeah. Here you go. And yeah. But it, but it's like, yeah, I'm not working for that oh, money. I'm not moving my, my, no. my family and, for that amount of money. And a small operation doesn't have the, the capacity to – really promote that outside of their area, right? Right. Like how is a five person clinic going to go advertise in New York? Right. Like you exactly. can't do that. I mean, with social media, it's a little easier nowadays, but anyway, so the VA would come in and be like, look, we're going to hire, we're going to co-hire this provider with you. And here's the cool thing. They will be a federal employee. So we'll take care of their retirement. Yeah. We'll take care of their benefits. We'll take care of all of that. So the hospital doesn't have to worry about that. And then they say, and we'll pay a portion of the salary that's equivalent of one day of working. And so for one day, this doctor is going to work for the VA in your clinic and only see veterans. And then the other four days, they can work for you. And and I think it's a great That's idea. That's a great solution. You know, the other one that we heard when we were out in Lamar, 
Um, and Lamar is one of these unique rural communities that absolutely does not have a problem with broadband access. They've got, yep. they have this huge, um, or they have a network of high, it, data centers and everything. Yeah. So then the idea out there was if you've got telehealth, mm-hmm. you could, it's a reverse. So you yep. they could do the telehealth out of Lamar yep. for these other communities. So that's what's cool too. So interestingly enough, when it came to telehealth with the VA specifically, the people that lived in the city loved telehealth. So the people that live in Denver, they like telehealth. The people that lived in rural communities hate telehealth. Yes. So why not move a doctor to a rural community and then they could do the telehealth for Denver and see people in person in the rural community. And that's another thing that he's talking about. And, and, you know, just so everybody's aware, like, with, at least with the VA, I'm not sure how it works with other doctor's offices, but if you're doing telehealth, like that doctor's not in Denver. If you're sitting in Denver, right. they, I think he said they were in um, all, all over some the other state. Yeah, yeah there, there was all like over two places. Yeah. So, so it's not an issue of not being in Colorado, but that, I thought that was great. Now that leads to what are the other problems, right? Housing, what's sure. having a summit, and then also broadband. And but, broadband, but it, I which think it, we're working on as well. Yeah, we're working on that as well. But in a lot of these areas, like, where they're looking at setting up or where there's providers. I think they do have the infrastructure for broadband. Now, if you know, they want, they wanted to send a doctor in the middle of the mountains. That's another story, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge. Um, when we get to it, you know, I think, um, so just really quick, the project that we're working on, on broadband and we're in the initial stages of this, but, um, it was brought to us and the, the vision or the, the mission of this one is to, um, to guarantee access to broadband through a digital equity lens. And so this is, we're actually coming up with some amazing things on that as well. Because the question is, um, especially in our rural communities, um, you know, individuals and communities that have, have not had access to certain things or to certain benefits of things. Um, why aren't they accessing, accessing broadband? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, or what's preventing them? Is yeah. it a technical thing and is there, and we have a technical team that's working on that aspect yeah. of it. And then we're working on the other sort of deeper, if they have access, why aren't they? Yeah. We're the outreach team. Yeah. So, we're the outreach team. So this has been, um, this is actually really cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we're doing that. That's in the Valley area, six counties in the San Luis Valley. Um, and really just kind of the initial stages of it, there is some, build out there. There are a few technical issues and there's some technical stuff that the team's working on that would be great for the Valley. Um, but as far as our side of it, um, equitable broadband, I think we were calling yeah. it, um, you know, there's areas where they have the broadband, they have the access to it, but nobody's signing, signing up. So we're trying to really figure out, you know, the why's. why don't you have broadband basically is yeah. it, and, and you could break that down affordability, Actually, I think it's three issues mainly. It's access, so take that off the table because that's the technical part of it. You know, right. like it just—it's just not here. Well, that's yeah. not what we're worried about on our side. The other one is it affordable? Which, I, from what I've seen, it's pretty affordable, but not for everyone. Right. So you can you can have this group of data or people that they just can't afford it, right? And that's what we're trying to find because there will be programs and there are programs to allow them to afford it. So that's a kind of a solvable solution. Right. But then you get into this weird third part of it where it's like, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. And, I don't want it. and you know, it, I hate to 
some of the ties like, well, we need to tell people why they need it. Like I'm not in the business of telling people what they need. Right. But you know, maybe they're just not aware of what they can do with it. And well, that's and where we that's where the digital like, literacy piece yep. comes in. So we're putting together this really cool digital literacy piece. And we actually, you know, you can give people broadband all day long. You can pay for it. But if they, they don't know how to use it and they don't have um, the device on which to use it, then it's really. Look at it like a car. Yeah. It's like, I don't have a license. Why? Can you afford one? No. Okay, here's a car. There you go. Here's a license. Yeah. Now, okay, I could buy a car. I can afford a car. I just don't want one. It's like, oh, well, how do you get around? Well, I ride my bike or I, you know, I, I take public transportation. It's like, take well, the subway. Yeah. Well, here's what we'll give you a car and we'll show you how to use it. And then you could step back and say, okay, do you want it now or do you not want it? And, yeah. And then just, just be uh, sensitive to what people actually want rather than trying to. Yeah. So this is, this is a very cool project. Yeah. So every, so that's really the, who we are. I think the, what, the, what we do part of it is we work on those issues, but every single day you and I are having conversations about housing, water, energy, a lot of, you have a lot of conversations about VA or broadband education, education and agriculture ag, is a big one. Ag is a huge, huge, huge one, especially during the legislative session where, uh, and in rural communities, all these things intersect. So sometimes the solution um, has to be, we have to, we have to get in the mix and we have to mix it up on legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, and I didn't, I didn't look at it. I don't know if it's still there or whatever. And I, I feel bad, but we were having, there were some deep discussions on the lawnmower bill yeah. and that was the bill where I was just sort of frustrated, really frustrated about. Um, there's another one that's coming up that we're looking at 1244. That's air toxins. Mm-hmm. That's one that we are going to have to get in the middle of. I think one of the things on the energy side and energy, water, ag, all of these things intersect together yeah. in the rural in our, so food, energy, water, the essentials of life happen in 85% of Colorado, which is all rural. Yep. 85% of Colorado is rural. So, you know. So what we do, we look out for your food, water, we, energy. That's really, in a nutshell, that's what we do. Yeah. We look out for food, water. And, you know, the how, the reason that um, that housing has, has risen to the top of the list is because we can't move forward on any of these things until we get the water issue figured out. We can't we can't move forward I mean on the housing issue. We can't move forward in a productive way on water, energy, or even ag until we get some housing issues really hammered out. A perfect example is the broadband. Say that we identify an area, the tech team does that they need to build out broadband. Mm-hmm. All right. So we gotta bring in workers, mm-hmm. a workforce to build it or use local. Well, mm-hmm. If you have to bring them in, where are they going to live or where are they going to stay? And right now it's like, well, and as much, um, uh, clean energy or renewable energy development that's happening in Colorado right now, that's one, that's the biggest barrier on those solutions right now is housing. Which is why you see a lot of these utility companies, um, putting money, investing time and money in housing, which I've never seen before. No, we haven't. Major utility companies. And hospitals too, you know, th- this oh, is yeah. super important to our healthcare as well. Like this has never been their wheelhouse and now they're investing like a large percentage of their, their capital and time and workforce into housing yeah. issues. 
And so that's when we find out and sort of figure out what um, matters most, that's what we work on. And, and sometimes the, the work that we do is, is something like a summit. Sometimes it's a legislative issue. Sometimes it's a, a project where we're going to go and we're, we have a very, um, our, a mission or an objective, and then we go after um, how to do it. And I think our, our process on that, um, it was just natural. Mm-hmm. To me, it was natural to you. It was okay. What, here, what, here's the objective, and then we work backwards from that. How do we? How do we meet that objective? I didn't realize until fairly recently that's a not normal. Yeah, it's a very military almost way of doing it, yeah. and that's how I've always done it. I've said like, let's do this, and then we'll move on to the next thing. And so this is a little bit. I don't know how to do that any other way. Yeah, that's how I've always done it too. So the solution, so we're driving solutions all the time, but we're like, okay, what's the objective? And and then we go after it. And whatever, legislation is a tool or a, house, a summit is a tool or whatever is a tool to answer all those questions. Well, and our, our network is large, right? Oh so, my goodness, so talk many about people, that for a second. Yeah, so a lot of people, um, you know, it's kind of the platonic view where we – we look at it from the big picture and all the little parts, whereas the people working on the issues, whether it be ag housing or right. whatever, you know, they're their own little part that they're very specialized at and they don't have access to the bigger picture or nor the resources for it. So a lot of times we'll hear from a member or a county or organization. It's like, man, we're really trying to get this accomplished, but somebody there's a roadblock. We don't know how to get around the roadblock. And then where we come in, it's like, oh, well, we can call so-and-so yeah. that can get you past that roadblock, no problem. Okay, start naming names. Uh, I mean, just anything Name with the, the, the state, like yeah. um, like issues. It's like we're, we're having an issue with CDPHE on this. It's like, okay, we can call CDPHE. We know people kind of right. in the upper echelon of order of things up there. And we're, we say, hey, look, this community's having this problem. They This is their solution, but they're not getting anywhere anywhere with it or Dola or Dora or anybody. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I can handle that. Like, no, I know how to fix this. Like, we can do this. Because one thing that I've known over the years um, come to, or have come to realize is that the government, whether it be local, state, or federal, are terrible at communicating to the c- constituency. And truth, we're pretty good at communicating with the government and the constituency. And we're kind of like the, the middle guy that fixes these problems when it comes well, to and it. we know everybody. So they come to us and then, um, we know who to put them in contact yeah. with. And it's somebody that they hadn't thought of already. But I think the other thing is we, um, we have a certain amount of freedom because we're nonpartisan yeah. because we're not running for office because we're not, um, a lot of other things. Um, we can say things or or make things happen um, in ways that other people don't have the freedom to do yeah, that. Yeah. And, and that helps too. And so, and to give the some of these government agencies some credit, they yes. come to us and say like, hey, we have some really good stuff going on, but we don't know how to talk to the people down there. So can you help us with this? Can you set up a, a road trip with the attorney general or can you bring Dora and uh, – to talk to the people in this community because we don't have any ends in that community. Yeah. Well, rewind a year ago, um, they were going to do these vaccination buses. And so yeah. um, they called up and they said, we're, we're deploying the vaccination buses. 
And I said, okay, oh, that's cool. And they're like, we don't know where to actually set them up at. So I was like, okay, great. Um, when are you guys going to do this? And they're like, this weekend. And I'm like, this is Easter weekend. You guys are going to deploy. They're like, yeah, we want to do this. We're thinking about church. Da, da, da. So I go, I go, okay, give me, give me, give me 20 minutes. And so I called a bunch of our members. I was like, okay, where do you want to have these at buses at? And so I was able to call and within 20, it, totally blew their mind, but it was really easy. It was just phone calls, but they came to yeah. us and they said, where do we deploy our buses at? And then we, as a result that we helped with a lot of the, the vaccination ended up helping with a lot of vaccination buses. Um, and our friend, uh, Luis DeSanto, um, came to us and we got to be buddies with him last yeah. year, yeah. um, because he was in charge of that, but he knew that, you know, there was always, there was going to be somebody in any of those 22 community, 22 counties that we were going to be able to get things done and get them done quickly yeah. for them in a way that was, um, not just not a big deal. It's just how we do it in, yeah. rural, in rural Colorado. Um, so again, I, we're constantly going, okay, what's next? How do we, how do we build capacity? How do we be more effective in serving our members? We're constantly, constantly asking that question. So there's a couple things that we're, that we're working on that we're sort of, we're putting out to the universe because action 22 is incredibly blessed. I'll tell you every, it's, it's almost laughable at this point. We'll say, we want like this, we say a need We'll say it out loud and it just happens. It's kind of crazy. So there's a couple things that we're looking forward to working on for like with the end objective of of having some kind of implementation by the end of this year. Yeah. We really want to step up our game on being an actual feasible resource for not only our membership, but the community to ensure that rural Colorado and our neck of the woods thrives basically. And so I think in the next few months, you're going to see almost like a footprint expansion on what we're touching on everywhere that's accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, right now, you, you know, we're pretty accessible. Like if you want to know what we're doing or what we're working on, it's easy. But I kind of want to almost market that out, say like, look at all, everything that's happening. This is what we're doing. This is what what's happening in this area. This is happening in this area. And I, I think we could take it to the next level in which Action 22 will be one of the larger, most cohesive resources for Southern Colorado on these five areas that we talked about. Yeah. So we, um, it's been interesting. We've had, so we're doing this rural resourcing road trip with Phil Weiser. And, and by the way, when we're talking about accessible and working with us and, and working pretty closely. Phil's got to be the top of the list um, for us. So we're doing this rural resourcing road trip and we had, we've had so many people outside the action 22 footprint ask us if we'd be willing to duplicate that in other places. So it's not just that, but the housing summit they're asking, we have people coming from all over the state for the housing summit. And we've, and we are just learning, we have people coming from out of state for the housing summit. We have the same thing with um, our annual meeting last year, the, um, the Western governor's university. I mean, you can find this on a YouTube channel. Um, She came, she was the president of like the Western states or something. She flew in from Seattle just to speak at our action talks. And we were completely blown away by that. But that's the thing that keeps happening. I think the other thing is, um, and we've talked about, ways to do this a lot more um 
before we started to do this show, but it was how do we tell these stories? How do yeah. we how do we get the message out? How do we keep people focused on what matters the most, um, independent of the of the political rhetoric, of the party rhetoric that uh, happens, especially in an in, um, in an election year? Yeah, how do we put a face on rural Colorado? Yeah, in Action Twenty Two, really. And so the, I think the other big thing we have to give credit um, a tremendous amount of credit to. Um, to the network, to Voice America, to our executive producer, Tracy Motley, for really holding, I mean, in the initial stages of doing this, just holding our hand in such a way that we could we could move forward and we could have tremendous success for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I recently was talking um, to my cousin, and, and he was saying how he really wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how to do that. And, and I said, you know, you'd be really smart to – make a phone call to Tracy, but this has been, this has been tremendous in, in completely unexpected how the show has really driven that the mission of action 22, which is to be a strong voice to do that. And we've had some tremendous, um, really interesting people on the show. And we'll, we'll we're going to make it more. more So we're going to, so that's one, that's the other thing. And then, and and this is just really just a teaser because we're playing with an idea again that's not going to look like what everybody else is doing because that's one of my things. I don't want to. I don't like duplicating efforts. I I I hate that. So everything that we do, we're trying to make sure that we're not duplicating what somebody else is doing. But um, we're really looking at a leadership school. Yep, that's uh, that's I guess cats out of the bag. So action twenty two used to host a leadership school um, and out of the blue, I was like, you know, part of it was we're getting a lot of interaction from people that are involved with something, but they don't understand how it works. And that's not disparaging them at all. But it's confusing. But it's like, Hey, look, um, you know, I, am part of this group and we're doing this or like, you know, how, how does this work? Like water, water is a good issue. How do you yeah. interact with the state government? I really want to turn it into effective local leaders, almost like community champions that will have an impact when it comes to legislative issues at the state and federal. So how, how do you do that? Nobody knows. Like, you know, do you email your congressman or do you send the same form letter that everybody else does? Like, this is really going to show how the system works and how to become a leader in it and also expand your view on how all this is interconnected, whether in our five issues, like how is housing connected to everything, you know, and kind of show that big picture where you have this view, this, this, what do you call it? Like the platonic view, like I said earlier, that you climb up on a ladder and you look down and you could see how everything works and fits together and how to impact that. So, yeah. So stay tuned with that. I still don't know how we're going to set it up yet. Um, I'm looking at what's successful, you know, like leadership Pueblo, that's a very successful one. Yeah. Um, the farm bureau does one. Um, but I, I really want to do something impactful to kind of, to not to steer, that's a bad word or even to mold, but to create people that will have influence and impact on the issues that we care about as rural Coloradoans, action 22 ians right. and you know. Well, stuff. and I think it's the, the thing I want out of that is the, th- all the things that we wish somebody would have explained to us early on. Yeah. yeah in our it, career. Yeah. It takes, it took me a, like, well, I still don't know, but no, 10 years right? and I still, we still are learning stuff yeah. every day on how to do this and how to manage it. 
what works and what doesn't. Thankfully, we have this amazing board of directors that lets us experiment yeah. with and make, you know, figure out what's going to work and what doesn't. But um, really, um, that, that kind of training that's going to give you the leg up that if somebody would have explained this to me when I was first starting out running a chamber of commerce of my own, you know, I was running a chamber of commerce, somebody would have said, do this, 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 and this, then I would have been five years ahead of the head of the curve on it. Also, you put a lot of people in a room or through a class that are interested in this, they're going to make that net networking our network of connections, basically, or I guess a network is connection. That it's, network. It's your bundle of sticks, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, your bundle of sticks. Because the, the people that I, I envision this for are the, the up-and-comers or the people that will be making these decisions and working in these areas going forward. And, again, we tend to stay in echo chambers, right? So right. we're always stuck with the same people in the same group. This can expand that more where, you know, five years from now, it's like, oh, yeah, me and so-and-so went through this the Action 22 Leadership School, and we're both, you know, up here working right. on the same issue, and I know him or her, and they know me. Let's work together on this instead of just staying in that echo chamber. Yeah. So let's finish it with this. Um, and this is, again, uh, the other thing that we've heard, the three, Micah and you and I have heard over and over and over again, is how important what we're doing right now um, is. Why? Because... I've said it before, we're all in this together. And when times are going tough, which they have been for a few years for people, and it doesn't look like it's getting any easier anytime soon, yeah. you know, we all got to stick together specifically. And I'm talking about rural Colorado and, and that includes Colorado Springs, Pueblo, everywhere down here in our area. Like we're kind of in this fight together. So that's why this is important. Yeah. Um, so I was, we were, I was listening um, to a podcast last night and it was talking about what's going on in the Ukraine and, um, and you know, this is nothing compared um, obviously, but it was this idea that when you, um, when you manage your resources, you manage what you've got in a way that makes you um, more powerful, it's security rather than um, letting somebody else try to do that. So this whole idea that these, this energy, water, um, and food that we're managing it, um, Coloradans are managing, we're managing it in a way that benefits everybody rather than, um, somebody coming in and trying to do that. There's a lot of security in managing your own resources. And I was having, um, had a great conversation with a, an old friend of mine from high school um, over the weekend. And, and I don't think her and I have actually sat down and had a real conversation in 30 plus years. Um, I grew up with her and that was the first time it was so, and she, she made the comment when we we're done talking how nice it was to have a conversation that her and I could not be more on more opposite on our political views, but we came from the same place and we had a, a really um, just lovely discussion on all of these things. And we were in the same place and we came from the same place and we had the same history. And, um, and then I, I ended up her, her brother's one of our best friends and I was talking to him and he was, 
um, talking about like his next endeavor, what he wants to do is more, but what he's doing, what he wants to do next would benefit the whole community. He don't, he wants to make sure if he's moving forward that it's to benefit the whole community. And I just have to tell you, I think it's important, but the reason I do it and I work really hard and, you know, there's sacrifices that we make um, in what we do, um, both of us, it is for absolutely for love of Colorado. But more than that, it's the love of the Coloradans that we are neighbors with, that we're friends with. These rural, these rural people who are just constantly thinking about how to do better, how to do more. Um, how to do better and more with less and more with less, but also with just pure heart and pure intent. I, th- I can't think about, um, I can't think about that without thinking about Connie and, um, Tony Haas and how, you know, we were up there and there was the big hullabaloo about, um, about some comments that were made about our, our ranchers and stuff. And she sent me a picture the next morning of how, you know, it was so cold and and they were out there feeding. And I just, it, it just brought tears to my eyes. I just like, I just genuinely, I genuinely love, um, our communities and the people in them. I, and that, that sounds trite. That sounds made up. But if you know me, you know, it's true. That's to me why it's important because these communities are absolutely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely worth it to me. Um, Okay. So the housing is the housing summit is April 29th. Yep. And it should be up on the uh, website soon uh, with all the registration stuff. If you sign up for our email list, just go to action22.org, sign up for our email list. You'll, you'll get the info for that. And then I'll make a page for it once we get the, the agenda and everything more hammered out in the next week. In the, yeah. And uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, email us at show at action22.org. And if you're not a member, you should be a member. And you could go to action22.org again yep. and join right there. Or just email us. Again, show at action22.org. Um. Chad Vorthman, I know you're listening, so um, blow off whatever meetings you've got going on um, and come down and see you. Um, the rural communities uh, of Southern Colorado miss your face. So that's it. Um, we will we'll be coming back to you um, next week with um, probably some more discussion and, and some more specifics about um, not only some people who are running for office. Mm-hmm. We're going to have all those. So Action 22 members who are running for office um, we're going to, we support our members. We don't, sup- we don't endorse, um, candidates, but we absolutely support our members. Um, and you have an opportunity to come on the show. If you're running for office and you're a member of Action 22, you can absolutely come on the show. Um, and let us know if you want to do that. Um, but also we have an event coming up in June where you're going to have an opportunity to do that as well. What else? Anything else? That's it. That's it. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.